Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. I'm Corey Listoki. West Virginia recap coming your way in just one moment. No holidays, but also happy Labor Day to everybody. Getting the show in just one second. Hey everybody, since I have you here, make sure you've already liked and subscribed to our YouTube channel, State Media. And please, if you're listening on podcasts, make sure you've also subscribed wherever you're listening to this show. Thank you. Welcome to Hardcore Penn State Football. I'm Corey Listoki. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Not too bad, Corey. Happy Happy Labor Day, almost Memorial Day. Uh, happy Victory Monday that. as well. Yes, I thought you were going to say Hump Day because, you know, we're usually recording <laughs> on Wednesdays, but here we are on a Monday. Yeah. yeah, I could have definitely seen myself doing that as well, but uh, yeah. Nice Labor Day. It was a very chill day for me. Uh, I just got back from dinner with my cousin from out of town. So Nice. Yeah. You know, no holidays here at Hardcore Penn State Football. Well, at least not during the fall. Uh, we are recording live here on Monday night. And yes, Penn State coming off of a 38-16-15 to 16, 15 15. win. I've been wanting to do 16, Sean, all day. <laughs> When I was writing the YouTube description, wrote 16. When I was writing into the uh, on our ticker below, wanted to write 16. I don't know why, because 15 is just such an odd number, maybe. Yeah. But I just I just did not want to write 15 today. 38, 15. Um, both Sean and I were at the game on Saturday, and so if uh, at some point our voices decide to give up, that is the excuse we are going to go with. But. At least I can say this. I'm sure you can feel the same way, Sean. It was just fantastic to be back and couldn't have asked for a prettier day. I mean, just just absolutely gorgeous. The football gods smiled down upon us on Saturday. Oh, it was awesome. Just awesome from beginning to end. We uh, we got there around a little before one. I dropped by, saw Corey. He was a very gracious host at his tailgate. And I uh, saw my other friends that I grew up with. 
So that's part of why I like night games because you could you could do a lot. There's a lot that you could do before before a game, and then you end up going up the stadium. We went up there around six thirty, and the game was the game was good, uh, good to very good. And uh, it's always nice covering the spread. And yeah, we just had it was just a beautiful day. Couldn't have asked for a nicer day. Yeah, it was nice to be back tailgating. We uh, got out there about nine in the morning, and, and we went all all day long. It was uh, it was exactly what you want. So no, I, no complaints there. Uh, you know, our our seats were pretty solid as well. The the student section. Yep. Shout out to the students. The students were there early. I think they were full, probably twenty minutes at least before kick. Maybe even you know earlier than that. Notice so too. they were doing their job. Uh, they were very, very loud from where I was sitting the entire night. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much credit we're going to give West Virginia during the show today, but I do have to give West Virginia some credit. I, I thought they actually handled the noise extremely well. Um, no false starts. If I well, there might have been one later in the game late. But for the most part, they did really well against the false starting. They didn't seem over – they had to call a timeout one time, but they didn't seem overly confused or lack of communication. Uh, I, I thought generally they did a pretty good – it didn't seem like the moment was too big for quarterback Garrett Green. Um, but but the students gave it everything they got, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, for, for context sake, Penn State had two pre-snap uh, timeouts, and West Virginia only had one. I know the crowd will definitely take credit for the one, uh, but it could have just been a miscommunication the first week. So, yeah, I thought I thought Garrett Green, you know, overall played, I think, better than I thought he'd play. So really wasn't bothered by the crowd. But, yeah, it was loud really from beginning to end. I, I thought they could continued to stay loud. It was really, it was nice seeing Sweet Caroline along with the West Virginia fans. Uh, there is, um, West Virginia and Penn State have their own twist on Sweet Caroline. Uh, it's an insult to Pitt, but we're a family-friendly show here. So something that rhymes with Pitt that's a swear word is, that is, uh, goes into the song. So that, that was loud. And it was, was loud. Like, it was the loudest I've ever heard it. So yeah. that was a cool moment of unity. And it's probably something we're never going to get again. So no, that was like loud. Like yeah. obviously loud. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's watching on YouTube that was was watching the game live on TV. But I'm curious because they did that right into the kickoff. And I'm wondering if anybody heard that at home. Because that uh that, that was loud in my opinion. Yeah. I, do you have any? Uh, I, I thought the West Virginia fans that I ran into were pretty chill. I don't think a lot of them really came into the game expecting a victory, but I think maybe some of them were hoping for even a little bit better of a game. But um, I guess that kind of leads us right into the conversation today. All in all, Penn State dominated the game, and that's all you can ask for for week one. I know a lot of people are going to jump ahead and say, this team's not ready to win the, the Big Ten. This team's not ready to beat Ohio State or Michigan. This team won't, you know, stand a chance against some other some other teams in the country. And I think that's getting a little ahead of yourself here. Week one, you want to limit the mistakes. You don't want to, you know, embarrass yourself. And you want to get a victory. And, and, and Penn State checked all three of those, those boxes on Saturday. Uh, and most importantly, in my opinion, Sean, we found out exactly what we have a quarterback. 
And thankfully, maybe not surprisingly to some, but thankfully, it's very, very good. I, I think we came out of Saturday knowing that maybe we don't know yet if Drew Aller is going to be you know, the best thing since sliced bread, but it seems pretty clear Penn State's going to be able to win a lot of football games with them. Yeah, yeah. The I agree. I, back to what you say about the West Virginia fans. Yeah, they were cool. Uh, I had one guy that flipped us off when they scored their first touchdown. Last thing he did all night. So outside of him, everybody was nice. Uh, but yeah, a lot of week one overreactions. But that's normal, right? You're and the truth is, is this a team that's going to go to the playoffs, go and win the Big Ten? No. But here's the thing: everybody gets better as the year goes on. Uh, Every team, every Penn State team, I don't want to say every, because I'm sure some got worse, but pretty much every Penn State team that I know of gets better as the season goes. And that's a sign of a well-coached team and a well-run program. And that's what we've been for the better part of my lifetime. So I'm expecting them to improve and to clean some stuff up. And there's definitely, and there are definitely things to clean up uh, from pretty much everybody and certainly every unit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the number one thing I think Penn State fans are going to be talking about is Drew Aller. And Drew, I think the first thing that stands out to you is his poise and how unflappable he is because you could have our, all the arm talent in the world. That's that's um, that's something you can't teach. And it's also something that your arm can't do for you or your 6'5 body can't do for you. That's all up here. And not everybody, not everybody could do that, but he was able to, and he didn't come out like we've seen Trace come out, you know, a little, a little hot and environments like that. We saw Cliff do the same thing. Drew was just cool as a cucumber. It was like he was in practice. Like I watched the replay on Peacock. His eyes are just like, yeah, here we are. Uh, Let's do this thing. And it throws a rope to KLS the first drive. And I mean, that's that's unbelievable. So I think his poise is the first thing that really stands out to me, at least. Yeah. And just to choose something different, because I agree with you 100 percent, I was very impressed with just a straight up arm strength, because when I first saw that throw to Keandre Lambert Smith for the first touchdown of the game, I thought maybe Keandre was like 15 yards downfield. I mean, he was the better part of 25-something yards. Like, that ball was thrown on a rope from Drew Aller's, you know, fingertips 25-something-plus yards before it hit KLS's hands. Like, it, was, it wasn't just a little dink. I mean, it, was, it had to be there and it had to be there now, and he was able to do it. Would I have liked to see that ball maybe on the left side? Yes, but KLS, great concentration there because I think that ball was almost – through the defender's hands. So I very impressed that he was able to catch that football. It was not as easy as maybe he made it seem. Um, I don't know if a lot of quarterbacks make that throw because he had to zing it in there. And that to me is what stood out a lot was just the arm strength. Uh, a couple throws. Uh, I, I feel like, especially to, to Trey Wallace on just some comeback routes, some out routes, some dig routes, where he put it right on the money. And it was not only that, it was also well-timed, but it was exactly where it needed to be. And it was on a rope and it was on a line. So to me, that was, that's, that stood out immediately. It was, you know, sometimes those out routes with college quarterbacks, 
they have to put a little bit of arc on them just to get them out there and they hang up in the air for a little bit. Not the case. These things were on the line. Um, as soon as the receivers were out of their breaks, that ball was that ball was right there and ready to go. So that that to me was very impressive. It's a ball placement too, right? Like that KLS touchdown, the guy had good coverage on him. Like that could have been picked off. Uh, it was so I was up in SCU and it was hard to tell who got it at first. And then I just saw Keandre running and I nearly tackled my fiance. And you know that's just that's just how that that's how precise it had to be. And I agree with you too. Like KLS deserves a lot of credit for snagging that because it's very easy to lose track of where the ball is. The guy's coming at you. You're downfield all that way. But yeah, there are only a few quarterbacks that make that throw. And to have the guts to make that throw in that environment, it's your first drive as a starter. Again, I think that speaks a lot to what he's got, uh, to what he's got mentally. Uh, Do you want to go over, do you want to move positions or we want to stay on Drew? No, I was just going to say there was just a couple other things that, sure. that stood out to me, too. I thought we'll talk offensive line in a second. But, you know, like you said, he he shuffled around the pocket. Well, what I yeah. really liked was on that that same play, um, the offensive line did a great job. They created the pocket and then he stepped up into the pocket exactly how you're supposed to be. Some people might look at that and go like, oh, why was there pressure? There wasn't pressure. The offensive line is supposed to give okay. like that for you to step up. I mean, it was, it was, it was just picture perfect from that perspective. Um, but there were a couple times where he had to get out of the pocket um, and, and show enough athleticism to create space in order to then throw the football. I thought he threw the ball on the run really well. I thought he created space really well. Um, and then my, one of my favorite plays was just that play action bootleg that we've seen over and over again. They ran it a bunch last year too. And they ran it twice really well. The one time, though, he got to his third or fourth progression before he found Keandre Lambert Smith coming across the middle of the field on that crossing route. And he and he put it right on the money there, too. And so I love that play because he went through all his progressions while on the run, while someone's chasing him, found who we wanted to throw the ball to and hit that guy right on the money while he was uh, while he's in stride. Couldn't for, ask for anything better there. So I was I was really happy with uh, with, with what he was able to do. Um, you know, negatives that I can come up with. Obviously, that one close interception. Uh, Keandre Lambert Smith broke it up in the end zone. I'm laughing because uh, Keandre. I, don't, I probably didn't see it on TV, but when Keandre Lambert Smith helped break up, up that pass, he actually went like this, <laughs> like he was the DB, like. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I, yeah, you do deserve credit for that, right? Because you did help break up that pass. That could have been an interception in the end zone. But you often don't see wide receivers kind of taunting the defensive back for breaking up a pass. So I thought that was really funny. But obviously that was really um, – that throw, Sean, obviously not a good decision. I think he honestly could have put that ball up and towards the middle and, and could have maybe given KLS a chance. And then the only other ball that I can think of – was he had Keandre Lambert Smith open on that slant route? They were in man coverage. I think they actually sent a blitz, and the ball it was third and three, and the ball was low and inside. And if he leaves that thing out, I think Keandre Lambert Smith is still running. KLS ended up dropping it, but if he was able to put that out in front, I mean he's he's still running. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I hear you too on the pocket awareness because that's one of those things too. You kind of either have or you don't. There have been, I've seen lots of quarterbacks in a situation like that where the pocket's open in front of them, but they don't find it or they run into somebody or they stay back too long and then they're sacked. And, you know, casuals will say, oh, the line's not protecting them. But no, the he's got to step up in the pocket. And for Drew to have that ability already speaks a lot to him. I, I hear you on the KLS, um, the, 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 the near interception in the end zone. I just think that was, I think that was the only time that I think he got ahead of himself with his arm strength. Like he played within himself very, very well. And you don't always see that with a first year quarter, uh, a, a first year starting quarterback uh, with his arm talent. A lot of times they're going to try to test the limits. And that was the only one that it just wasn't a good decision. Uh, the And then I agree with you, the, um, the one that he had a little behind KLS and the near interception on the tip pass that was on drew too. And I did, I couldn't tell live, but watching it uh, on the replay, if you have Peacock, you watch the full game. He had Theo open and he just waited about a half second too long. Yeah. If he, if he threw that a half second sooner, that's a completion and they moved the chains, but he just waited a just a fraction of a second too long. The guy Olu was blocking was able, it was a good play by him. He was able to just reach his hand out in time. Um, so that was, those were only his, those were his three only mistakes that I could really remember the whole night though. And yeah. And he had I'll a couple other, that. yeah. And he had a couple other balls that were dropped. Yeah. Uh, two on that one drive, another one by Trey Wallace on a different drive. Uh, the two on that one drive, uh, hit, I mean, hit Dante Cephas right in the hands. I mean, it was a beautiful throw. Uh, and then same thing back the other way at Trey Wallace. But otherwise, still pretty perfect. And, uh, and then I mean, you can throw it away. That's it. Yeah, you you can build off of that, right? You can build off of that. I think just overall generally talking about this, it's almost like a lot of Penn State fans went from being concerned about the offense so now people are complaining about the defense already. And we'll get to the defense a little bit later. But it's amazing how one 300-yard plus three touchdown performance completely, you know, changes the uh, the direction of how the fans feel. So I thought that was kind of funny. But, I, I, you know, I did mention the receivers, and I think maybe that's probably the best place to go next just because we got more wide receiver questions this offseason than any other kind of question. And, um, and I think that's probably the next place we should go. I want to start with the wide, the Penn State wide receivers and saying they did a fantastic job. Keandre Lambert-Smith, four catches, 123, 30 yards per catch, and he had two touchdowns. Harrison Trey Wallace, seven catches, 72 yards, 10 yards per carry. Uh, Malik McClain, the Florida State transfer, four catches, 58 yards, and a nice run after a catch for his touchdown. Liam Clifford, he caught that nice screen pass, took it for a big gain, and then um, – Dante Sevis one catch for 22 yards. He actually had a really nice snag there uh, on his one catch on that left sideline. So the receivers, the Penn State receivers listened to the criticism, and I thought they answered the bell very, very well. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, 
proved that he can be kind of that dynamite in the offense. He can take the the top off the defense, and I think you need that to help the run game. And then, honestly, I don't know if enough people are talking about Trey Wallace. I came out of this game really, really happy with what Trey Wallace was able to do. I thought he ran some superb routes, and then I know he had a drop or two, but I really thought he was pretty sure-handed for a lot of those other catches, especially on those comeback routes when you turn around and that ball's right there. So very happy with Trey Wallace. I felt like they went to him a lot when they really needed a conversion, which is really nice to see. Um, but overall, the receivers just just came out and, and, and showed out. And I think that goes to show that this, this staff, this coaching staff has a lot of confidence in them. Um, I do want to just say also notable um, player that did not play was wide receiver Omari Evans. He was considered, I believe, doubtful on their two hour ahead, you know, uh, injury status report that they now have to put out via the big 10. So I don't know if Omari Evans starts for Liam Clifford if if he's ready to go, but if you're happy with the receiver performance on Saturday, and that's without Omari Evans, I, I'm I'm coming away pretty pretty happy right now with the receiving core, Sean. Yeah, I thought they did a good job. Uh, like you said, there were the two drops near the goal line, and we'll get more into the red zone mishaps because there were a few. Uh, but I will say the one is Cephas, and I think they have to get used to this a little bit, and it's not an excuse. Drew throws a hard ball, and they should have had it. I also don't know if Drew Aller needed to throw a 100-mile-an-hour ball there, uh, but still, it hits your hands. It's right where it needs to be. you got to be able to make the catch. So, you know, maybe they'll get uh, – that's something that they could probably work on with, with Drew. Uh, but yeah, Malik McLean, who I don't think we talked about enough, he really impressed me. Um, he showed some speed, which I didn't know he had uh, scoring that touchdown. And, you know, my dad has been saying McLean's going to be really good. And I was like, all right. And, you know, he showed that he's, he's he looks he looks like the real deal. If, I think every time we went in the red zone or I, I don't want to say every time, but almost every time we went in the red zone, he went in. And he's that big body. He's going to be able to come down with some nice catches. And I hear you on Harrison Wallace. It feels like he read, you know, route running has improved. Uh, he had to drop it overall. I thought his hands were good. And it felt like he was always open. And that speaks to his route running ability. And he's a big body, too. So he's going to be able to uh, do some good things against uh, those smaller receivers. And, yeah, KLS, he could add three touchdowns last night. If that ball is where it needs to be, and you know, I when I saw it live, I remember saying they're gonna they're gonna go to this side here because everybody was over to uh, Drew's left, and KLS and I forget who the other receiver was. They were alone on an island, and I said KLS beats this guy's gone, and that was the idea. It just wasn't executed well, so. He could have had three. So, yeah, he could have easily had three touchdowns. Uh, and something that we both anticipated going into this game was, the, were, was that the tight ends would be used. Uh, Theo did not have a catch, and Warren only had one catch. So they were not heavily involved, but the passing game, we still chugged along and drew out over 300 yards passing. So thankfully, we really didn't uh, need that much in the passing game. Yeah, and I think that 
part about the chemistry was impressive too. I did not expect they ran out a lot, a lot of like routes that need really good timing and they were able to execute on a lot of those, which if week one, you're hitting comeback routes, that, that to me is also a really good sign that they've got a really good rapport between the quarterback and the wide receiver. So that's great. Um, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. Tight end wise, probably the biggest miss we had going into the into the preview as far as West Virginia goes. I, two things. We thought they were going to use the tight ends a bunch against West Virginia. And I thought West Virginia was going to play back a little bit more. And, and neither of those two things happened. And I think they're related to each other. So we thought West Virginia is going to play back. They actually sent a lot of blitzes and they played a lot of cover zero or cover one, which is basically a lot of man coverage, which I actually like that idea. And we saw that a lot last year because you're basically telling the receivers beat us and then make the quarterback make the throw. And Drew Aller and these receivers were able to do just that. I think because they were bringing blitzes, that left a little bit more um, max protection for for Drew Aller. You saw the tight end stay a little bit more in the block. um, And they were able to do that because the wide receivers were able to beat their man. And that's the end of the, you know that's the end of it. If you can beat your man and cover one, cover zero, you're gonna win all night. And that's exactly what they were able to do. Um, I I am curious though if that was part of it. If we didn't see the tight ends being used for two reasons. Number one, we needed you to block a little bit because they're bringing some blitz. And number two, maybe we don't need to show everything right away. But um, I, I did. I was a little, little surprised by that, and uh, I'm very surprised West Virginia went after him. We said on the preview show we thought that's what you should do, but we didn't think they would do that. Um, come to find out, it didn't matter because Drew Aller was on it. So, um, but but yeah, the tight end, the tight ends not getting involved. I'm not like raising the alarms or anything yet, but I think it is something we need to be paying attention to here in the next week or two, and and, and kind of see when we're a quarter of the way through the season, you know how much those guys have been involved so far. Um, you know, you go back to last year, Sean, the tight ends, I don't think really got that involved until the Minnesota game. So we just have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, with the, with the exception of Brenton strange. Yeah. Like, especially Theo and Warren, we just didn't give them the ball much. And yeah, I think it is because they were into block because West Virginia, I, I thought their game plan made a lot of sense really on both sides of the ball. Uh, they were they were aggressive. When you're in cover zero, you're gonna you know you're gonna bring the heat more. That that's that's the point uh, to pressure the quarterback. And if you think and if you think about it, it, makes a lot of sense. You don't the receivers that you're playing against are unproven, and your quarterback and the quarterback is mostly unproven. So you're gonna want to be aggressive. You have to try to create havoc that they weren't able to uh, much. Uh, they had a couple sacks but they weren't able to get those turnovers that they really need, that they needed to stay in this game. Uh, we did have two missed field goals, which almost feel like turnovers, but they, they weren't able to, uh, you know, pick Drew off or anything like, or force fumbles. So that worked out for us, but yeah, I'm not ready to say, Oh, we're in trouble with tight ends yet. Uh, mostly because Theo and Warren have proven that they could do it. And I, th- I think they will. I think they're going to rebound. I think they're going to bounce back. And tight end is pretty low on my list of concerns, especially after we saw the receivers said, now I will say to be completely transparent here, we 
we told you going in, West Virginia didn't have a good secondary. And, you know, that wasn't Michigan's secondary we were going against. That wasn't Ohio State's. That was West Virginia's. They're going to be probably near the bottom of Power 5 team secondaries that we that we're going to play against this season. So we do have to acknowledge that. But that doesn't mean you can't be happy or excited from what you saw in the passing game, because I definitely am. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Um, I I wanted to mention the the trot wine formation, the T formation, exactly what we thought was going to happen. We we saw Theo Johnson and Ty Warland, the Ty Warren stay on the outside on the double tight, and we saw Khalil Dinkins take that fullback ish position that Brent Strange had last year. We you know we weren't sure who was going to get that position, um, and that's Khalil Dinkins, and he had a really nice seal block. Uh, for that touchdown that Nick Singleton had, um, the second touchdown of the game. Caden Wallace also had a really nice block, but I did want to mention Khalil Dinkins is, is going to be the new, uh, I don't know if you want to call him an H-back there, but he, he'll be he'll be blocking, lead blocker for both Catron Allen and Nick Singleton this season, which, I you know, he's not as big as Brett and Strange, but, he, I mean, he had a solid block there, so we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. Let's talk offensive line, Sean. I think we can maybe group that into running backs in a little bit. I, but I think offensive line is where the natural place to go next because I think there are some question marks here. And to be honest with you, I don't know if I agree with them. I thought the Penn State offensive line pre- played pretty well last night. Or, shit, let me reset that because I'm going to record this. I thought the Penn State offensive line played really well on Saturday night. I think people get confused by when pressure is at the quarterback versus when Penn State calls a long developing play and there's pressure at the quarterback. And that's what we saw on on Saturday. Penn State had a lot of five-man step drop back passes. And they had, again, going up against a lot of man coverage that sometimes takes a little bit longer to to break open. They were asking a lot from the Penn State offensive line as far as blocking goes. And I thought they did a fantastic job, especially for week one where you're still trying to groom a little bit. And especially when two and a half weeks ago you lost one of your best offensive linemen in Landon Tangwall. So I I thought overall they they played really well. I was really happy with Caden Wallace. Obviously, Olu Fashionu does what he does. But – I'm not mad at all as far as what I saw, and I'm not really worried either. Were there times where Drew Aller had to improvise and and move around the pocket or step up, or was he hit when he had when he, when, he, when he was throwing? Yes, but this is going to be college football, and they have dudes on their side too. Overall, very happy with where the offensive line is, and in the run game, I thought they did really well. I thought we didn't have to run the ball as much as maybe we we were we had to. Um, but when they did, I thought they did a really good job. Was it perfect? No. But as far as a, a good starting off point, I, I'm not too concerned, Sean. Yeah, I thought they got better as the game went on. Uh, there were a couple points where they were leaky in pass protection. They got confused on a stunt or two uh, on the interior. Uh, but overall, I thought they kept Drew upright most of the night. He, he took maybe a couple too many hits for my liking, but I would also say Drew Aller getting hit at all is a couple too, is a couple uh, too many hits for my liking. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, you have I, to keep I, I'll that just say mind. this. 
the end of the day, one sack allowed, four tackles for a loss. You'll you'll take that any day of the week. Right, right. So overall, I was fine with how they played. Uh, the, the the run blocking was impressive. It felt like we could get four yards anytime we wanted on the ground. Uh, Singleton and Allen were both good, uh, uh, both good to really good. It kept it kept feeling like they were going to break one, and they just didn't. Singleton got caught once, and it. If he got by the one guy, he was gone. But he just got tripped up, and but it was it was definitely close. But nonetheless, I thought they were fine the whole night. Uh, the T formation remains undefeated, and it's I, I think that's going to be fine. And don't forget, like the interior of the offensive line, where there was some confusion. Hunter Norris says he's a, it's his first time playing center for us, and. Uh, J.B. Nelson, it's his first time in the starting lineup. And like Corey said, we did just lose Landon Tangwall, which is going to hurt. And, yeah, overall, I felt like they kept Drew, they gave Drew a good pocket. And he he was upright enough to throw for over 320 yards in his first start. So I don't think he can complain too much about that. Um, I'm sure we'll get into the red zone. And, you know... If you're going to complain about one thing on this offense, I would complain about the red zone execution because, like, when you when you pair that with mediocre to just bad kicking, that's not a good combination. That's going to cost you points. So, I think they have to get thing. I think they have to get things cleaned up in in the red zone for sure. I'd like to see us get better on on third down as well. Uh, we were only three and nine, so that's only 33% for you uh, non-math people out there like me and Corey. So just situational things I think they have to improve on. But the good thing is I don't think either of those things are necessarily things to panic about. Because on short yardage stuff, we do have the T formation. We do have two good running backs. And we have a six-five quarterback who could sneak the ball. So... I don't think that's going to be that much of a. I I don't think that's going to be something going forward that we're going to have to be absolutely panicked about. But nonetheless, we have to clean up. And as far as the red zone goes, we do have good tight ends. I think that was just it just didn't work out first game of the year. But I do think things will improve when you have the backs, when you have a quarterback, and when you have a quarterback who could make every throw in the book. So and you could even go to a fade. Because we actually have tall receivers that could do them now. No, yeah, that that that's a good point about the red zone. You know, I I call it the maroon zone. Is really I think where Penn State struggled almost more because those kicks ended up being about from the like what they're like 30, 40 yard field goals, which need to be hit. But that like right when the the field begins to shrink a little bit but you're still not technically in the red zone yet. That That is really where I feel like the offense slowed down a little bit right there. Um, and and things just became a little bit more difficult. And so, yeah, they, they've got to get better there. They're, I mean, especially if they're not going to be able to hit their field goals, which we'll talk special teams towards the end of the show today. But I, I almost think sometimes you go back to like the Bill O'Brien games, Sometimes having like less confidence in your field goal kicker actually makes you better in the red zone or better in that maroon zone because all of a sudden 
a third and eight instead of trying to throw the ball for 10 yards and a first down and then kicking a field goal, you then just try to pick up four or five yards and then picking up the the first down on fourth down. So uh, I thought in that perspective that, you know, that could end up helping in the long run because you, you might become a little bit more methodical, but yeah, they, they've got to get better on that. And I think they played with their food a little bit, Sean, I think they could have probably ran it a little bit more earlier um in like the in the in the series as far as first or second down there was that one head scratcher where right before the end of the first quarter it was third down and they ran it to Catron Allen and then the then the the uh, quarter ended and then it kicked the field goal on 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 fourth down on the opposite side of the field to start the second quarter and they missed it that to me was a little bit of a strange call to, to pass on first and second and then to run on third down. Um, I'm not sure they're just trying to be sneaky there, but stuff like that just, yeah, needs to be cleaned up. Not freaking out yet, but, but yeah. And then you're right. Third down like to see them be a little bit better there on third down as well. So again, not, not awful, but definitely want to be better. Yeah, definitely. And I thought the same thing too, when, we threw it twice. Now, to be fair to Mike Yersich, those should have been two touchdowns because the call was the calls were right, but they just weren't executed well. And then I, I thought Mike Yersich got get, did get too cute. It actually led to me saying, uh, like he could hear me, like I'm talking to him. What are we thinking up there, Mike? What are we doing? <laughs> like I I didn't understand why you call two plays that would have been touchdowns throwing the ball. I don't understand why you go and run the ball on third and third. Uh, what's a set? What's essentially third and eight? But I digress. Overall, I thought Mike. I thought Mike uh, called a uh, called a good game. Uh, definitely a you know good start overall with the offense. But just situational things we have to improve on. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about the kicker, so we're not going to do that right now. Uh, but I hear what you're saying too about like when O'Brien was here. That was when Sam Ficken was going through his his dark time. And when we got to the red zone, we just said, all right, we're scoring a touchdown or we're not scoring. And I think it kind of gives your offense coordinator more, maybe more cojones in a way, because he's going to, he's going to be ultra aggressive and you might see something like that this season. I hope you don't in a way, because then it's all or nothing. And sometimes you're going to get nothing (laughs) and you, you don't necessarily love that. Uh, but hopefully every, hopefully this stuff gets ironed out, but overall, I think you have to be, I think you have to be happy with how the offense played. Yeah. I just wrap up by saying the two running back Singleton and Allen combined for over 120 yards and they both average over five yards per carry, which I didn't see a bunch of chatter about this, but some thought the running game struggled. And I just wanted to reiterate overall 4.2 yards per carry. Um, that included Drew Aller's four rushes for one yard, uh, including that sack. But more importantly, the two running backs, when they ran the ball, were over five yards per carry, which I think is the, the real thing to get out of that, especially yeah. West Virginia was was a good team last year against the run. Yeah, that's strange that people think that we struggled running the ball. I think the complete opposite. I thought we were fine. I think we got away from it sometimes, and I, I kind of understand why we did, but I thought – yeah, I thought we were fine. And like you said, when you're running backs average over five yards carry, that's great. Uh, and that's not to mention what Bo did at the end of the game. 
Uh, Bo came in, looked good, uh, let a touchdown drive, a now controversial on these Twitter streets contra- uh, touchdown drive. But, yeah, I was totally fine with the run game. Well, before we f- flip over and talk defense, you know, I just wanted to pause and and kind of just grill Neil Brown a little bit because in my mind, not that West Virginia had a great chance to win this game, but there was an opportunity there for a moment when the score was 14-7. And, shoot, it might have been – let me just double-check it. I don't think it was 7-7. And, Sean, maybe you'll be able to help me out. But they were moving the football. They were in our territory. They just got a first down. And then they ran that trick play. And they lost a couple yards on that trick play. And then that drive, they ended up going for it on fourth and five in that same series. Yeah, I think it was 14-7, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and they did obviously, it was like the, probably around Penn State's 40-yard line or so. Fourth and five, they decide to go for it. They don't get it. Instead of pinning Penn State back and make him drive the entire field, Penn State goes down and scores. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of it, right? You're, you're talking about potentially a 14-14 game. Now it's 21-7, and, and things are a little bit different, right? And so, is that right? Or am I wrong on that? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And so, that to me is like, there was a couple of those moments where I was like, Neil Brown really is, and I know they we talked about that in the preview show. We expected them to go for it a lot on fourth down. But there was a couple times where they probably hurt themselves more than they helped themselves instead of just making Penn State go the entire distance of the field and and giving their defense really no shot by making them defend a shorter field. So that was one thing, Sean. And then I don't really necessarily need to get into all the, the stuff they said about, you know, us running up a score or whatever. But regardless of what you think happened or that last play that West Virginia ran at the end of the game, your quarterback has been taking a hit and bruising all night. The last play of the game, you run a design run for your starting quarterback. Like, the game's over. Why are you letting your quarterback take one more shot just just to take one more shot? That just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't think enough people are criticizing him for that. That If you want to run the ball, hand it off. If you want to throw it, like, whatever, try to score. I don't care. But you don't need your starting quarterback to take an unnecessary shot at the end of the game. And and that to me was just that was just bad. So there's a couple head scratcher moments that Neil Brown had, um, and and I, I I just wasn't overly impressed by when he decided to pull out those trick plays because I think when they try to go to those trick plays, it actually hurt their momentum. Right, right, yeah. I th- I thought the trick play, looking back at it, was one of the most important parts. Of the, it was one of the most important p- plays in the game. Because that it was still even, and I was, I thought we were fine, but I was feeling a little, little nervous. But I thought we were fine, just because I thought I thought it was pretty clear by that point, even that we were the better team. But you never know. And I thought our defense, to give credit to us, I thought they handled that really, really well. They were not fooled at all with what they were doing. So they saw it coming, and I think that speaks to the preparation that Manny Diaz has. Uh, you know, uh, it's that he instills in his players. So, uh, but yeah, I thought Neil it Brown, also helped that the receiver didn't run his route properly either on oh, that one. We'll, we'll accept incompetence at any point <laughs> too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but you know, those are experienced safeties and that it's not their first rodeo. And I thought DeLuca and the other linebackers handled it, handled it well. Um, but yeah, they went for it six times. And like we said, the all or nothing, they converted three of them. So you're 50%. That means the other 50% of the time it's a turnover, it's turnover on downs. So you're kind of, you're kind of hurting yourself there. Um, and then, yeah, the end of the game discourse, I mean, I understood why he went for two at the end, too, because you have to go for two twice uh, to come back in the game conceivably. And if they get the onside kick, I mean, they, they'd have to go get another, but you're not technically out of the game yet. So I understood why he did that. And I think there was some groaning among Penn State fans like, oh, why are they doing that? But I got it. Um but then you can't get mad when the other team plays till the end, too. So if you're calling timeouts, you're trying to get the ball back again. I understand it. But you have to expect the other coach to keep to keep pressing, too. And we ran the ball, what, every play except one play that drive. So I find the whole thing kind of boring, <laughs> that whole discourse, like, about sportsmanship and all this other stuff. So, uh, yeah. That's kind of my Neil Brown thoughts. Yeah, I I think that team's good just for the sake of argument. I think that team's good. I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to win some games. Um, but I never was overly worried about losing this game. I, I, I think it's important to realize Penn State didn't have their fastball on Saturday, and they still won comfortably against what I'm going to – you know, especially when we talk about the defense here in a second, to, to play the way they played at the, the end of the day and still only give up seven points to the starters, I don't think people will realize how impressive that is. So uh, let's talk defense. And I think, Sean, the first thing, the first thing that needs to be mentioned when we talk about this defense are the facts. Because I am with a lot of fans. From my perspective, too, it it, it seemed a little funny. It, it, you know, that thought the defense played well, but at times it didn't necessarily feel like they were playing great. And I get that because C.J. Donaldson ran for over four yards per carry. West Virginia's quarterback, Garrett Green, ran for over four yards per carry. He had a couple sneaky plays. We knew he was going to be able to do that. And so you kind of just didn't feel great about the, you know, those things. But. At the end of the day, the starters only gave up seven points. They did a fantastic job statistically against the run and just completely shut down the West Virginia passing game. And so they did all of that, mind you, without some really important players. Number one, they didn't have Daquan Hardy. Number two, they didn't have defensive tackle Keziah Izzard, who we thought was going to be healthy. And then number three, they didn't have defensive end Amin Vanover, who this is the Vanover, Vanover uh, fan club. Those are three important guys I did not have on Saturday. And a lot of people are talking defensive line questions. To me, those two guys, I'm not saying they're like necessarily starters, although we thought Izzard might, are very important to the rotation of that defensive line, and they just didn't have them. So, um they did all that, and they still held West Virginia in check for pretty much the entire game. Uh, the final thing, factually, Sean, 
that West Virginia offensive line, probably 100% top five offensive lines that Penn State's going to face this year. You could argue top three if you wanted to go there. But that offensive line was really good. Just, just straight up about it. They were a good offensive line. They had their moments where they were bullying us, and they deserve credit for that. And yet this defensive line, when it's all said and done, statistically did their job. They, they were able to eventually get off the field. They, they, For the most part, they didn't give up the big play, and they didn't let Garrett Green do too much. He had his moments, but they didn't let him do too much. Yeah, I mean, in the end of the at the end of the day, it's about scoring. And it's about giving up less points. And the defense, the starting defense, only gave up seven points. So it's not. I think there's a lot of panic about the defense that I just, I, I frankly don't share. Uh, we gave up less than four yards a carry to them. I mean, it's not great, but it's not terrible either. And yeah, the running the running back Donaldson had over four yards to carry. Uh, Derek Green was a pain in the rear end the whole night. Uh, according to Jack Ham, he's actually the fastest guy on their team. So when you're playing against a team that their fastest guy is the quarterback, yeah, it's it, it's going to be really hard to prepare for that. Think about the NFL. You Steeler fans out there preparing for Lamar Jackson. Kind of sucks. I mean, because you know what Lamar could do to you back in the day, Michael Vick. It was it was always tough, you know, preparing for him, and because you knew you know what those guys are capable of, and uh, not that I'm comparing Eric Green to those guys at all, but their athleticism and the ability to run. I mean, there were a few times that he made some of our guys that were spying, uh, like Abdul Carter, who's not slow. He made him look silly a couple times. So that's what that's what a mo- that's what a mobile quarterback could do. Um, but the defensive line as a whole, when you're without who I think is our best defensive tackle, and you're without uh, our fourth defensive end, and he was going to play a lot, and he's also good against the run. He's a big body. Yeah, it's gonna it's you could have times where you're going to struggle uh, where you're going to struggle stopping, stopping the run, especially when that's their bread and butter. Like we know, and we knew going in their passing game, wasn't going to be something that you, that, that keeps you up at night. And it largely wasn't, but we knew they could run the ball. Uh, they have maybe the best center in the country. And Yeah at times he showed why he's one of the best centers in the country. So there are there things to work on? Of course. Uh, gap every time. Discipline. Yep. Every time I did the quarterback sneak, I'm like, the center's one of the best in the country. <laughs> yeah. And they had the guy come behind green and push him forward. That's legal now. Uh, a lot like how the Eagles do. And that's pretty automatic, especially when you have a great, uh, when you have a great center and that's some of the value of having a great center. So sometimes you have to say, hey, the other team has players too, and sometimes they're going to play well. And it's not always, oh, we suck against this, and I'm so mad. And sometimes the other team does things well, and it's not and it's not like there isn't stuff that we could work on. There is. I didn't think the linebackers, except Jacobs, played particularly well. 
Uh, I include Carter in that. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think it's time to panic. Yeah, I'll, I'll start off by saying Garrett Green is probably the most athletic quarterback they'll face this year. I mean, he, he, he'll he run better than any other quarterback they're going to face. I don't think it's even that close. Like, J.J. has mobility and can run, but he's not as quick as that. And, um, like, Talia Tagovailoa, no. Now, on the flip side of that, Garrett Green is an awful quarterback as far as throwing the football goes. There were a couple missed opportunities that they did have because that guy cannot throw the football. I mean, there was a slant pass on the fourth down. That was a turnover on downs that was just a terrible throw behind the receiver completely. There was that deep bomb that actually the receiver kind of burned Kalen King a little bit. That wasn't even like remotely close to being caught. So there were a couple of those that you just kind of scratch your head. He threw a couple, I feel like, into the dirt. Um, but but what he was effective at doing was with his legs. But overall, I thought Penn State did a good job. And I think, I would hope, Penn State fan would hope that you keep those kind of lessons you learn from having to play a Garrett Green in your back pocket when you go against, say, a J.J. McCarthy on a third and five. And you know he has the ability to maybe scramble and pick it up. But um, but overall, we were not too worried about their ability to throw the football. That seemed evident, not just from the quarterback perspective, but from the wide receiver perspective, too. There, there didn't seem to be anybody Penn State was overly concerned with just in the coverages that they played in. Uh, I, I'm cool to go linebacker right away, Sean, because linebacker to me is is what needs to be discussed the most. I know a lot of our fans want to talk defensive line, and I understand why you would want to talk defensive line. But in my opinion, the reason C.J. Donaldson ran for over four yards per carry was not because of the defensive line, but it was because of the linebackers. And I'm not just pointing at a one or two of them. I, I thought all of them needed to play a little bit better. I completely agree. I think Jacobs was your best linebacker on Saturday. Um, and then there was a pretty substantial gap to the next best linebacker because I thought the linebackers didn't play as well as they needed to play on Saturday. Abdul Carter almost looked like and, and for the bloggy over uh for the bloggy was messaging me a little bit and they were talking about how it seemed like he was playing a little bit of hero ball and i kind of agree with that i thought he was maybe getting out of his gap adjust you know assignments a little bit and playing a little undisciplined and trying to blow up every play instead of just trusting the, you know his teammates and and that kind of hurt him a little bit i i thought tyler elston didn't have a good game uh, just to be point blank i I, I thought he got to some places and just couldn't make some tackles. Uh, there was were two times or one time in coverage, a tight end ran right by him. Another time he followed a tight end too far over the middle, and then Garrett Green was able to scramble. That's how Elson just didn't have a great day. Honestly, Sean, I, I don't even really know as far as Kobe King. I don't know if he necessarily stood out in a bad way as much, um, but it, I don't know if he necessarily had an effective day either. Um, and then Tony Rojas had a freshman moment. I mean, I, I'm not going to harp too much on it because I think he's going to learn more from it than you know than anything else. But that second touchdown, read option, he already had help inside. He just got caught with his hand in the cookie jar, and 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 Green got around him for the touchdown. So overall, I think it was a learning experience. I think the uh, West Virginia offensive line did a really good job getting to that second level. And I'm hoping that the Penn State linebackers come back better. But 
I actually was more upset about the way they played versus the defensive line, Sean. Yeah, I think that moment with Rojas, uh, that's one that Manny Diaz will just look at, put on the board and go. And he'll just be like, yeah, coach, I know. <laughs> like, just went too far inside. And that's going to happen, especially with the young player. Uh, fortunately, it cost us a touchdown, but the game was pretty well out of hand by then. Um, yeah, overall, I thought Jacobs was good. I thought he had a good game for sure. Um, Kobe King, he did have five tackles. It felt like a lot of them were downfield, though. Uh, five or six yards. I don't think he was, you know, he definitely around the line of scrimmage. Uh, he was, he, he didn't jump off to me as much. Um, yeah. And then Elsden, I agree with you. Uh, his, he has issues in pass coverage that I think could really haunt him. And the thing with him is it feels like he's in, he knows what to do, but he just doesn't have the ability to do it oftentimes. So uh, I, I think the play that really defines him right now is that Utah play in the Rose Bowl where he makes a nice move, gets to the backfield, and the running back spins off and runs for a touchdown. And it's unfortunate to see, uh, but he's I didn't see a lot of improvement from him last night, or not two nights ago. So that's that's a concern. And Abdul Carter, yeah, it, it was it was like he was he was flying around like he definitely showed that athleticism, but it sometimes didn't look like he 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 knew what he was doing or he was playing like Corey said outside the system, maybe. And it was puzzling to me because I haven't seen him play like that ever. Even last year when he was a freshman, he was kind of playing like a freshman on Saturday night when he's a sophomore and we were all expecting a step up and it could have just been a bad night. So I don't want to, you know, kill the guy here, but he, he has to be better. I mean, he's one of your most important players on defense. He is, he's one of your playmakers. So he has to be better than he was on Saturday. So a little disappointed by that. He did have a sack, so it wasn't all bad. Um, but yeah, uh, DeLuca played a lot. Uh, I think he was credited for the sack on the trick play, but there were several Penn Staters right uh, right in the backfield, so I don't think he should get all the credit on that one. Uh, but, yeah, overall, I think the linebackers as a whole, they need work. So hopefully we can see a jump uh, going into next week. And then after, I mean, next week is going to be hopefully like a tune-up and then into Illinois. Yeah, I just I saw all that Neil Brown had his press conference this week already. And uh the West Virginia offensive coordinator Chad Scott thought that CJ Donaldson was the best running back on the field on Saturday. And I almost peed my pants in laughter. What? Yeah. <laughs> he was he had a good day. I'm not saying he was bad. He played well. Uh, but oh man. <laughs> Honestly, we knew he was six foot two. He's a tall dude. Like you could see him back there. Yeah, he's, he's a, good a tall player. dude. Um, other things, uh, Mike Lockhart, their defensive lineman, said that Penn State's deserving of their number seven ranking, and that you have to basically play perfect to beat them. And uh, nice. and then finally, from Neil Brown, the game plan was to make the quarterback beat us, and he did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. 
which is pretty funny. Um, no, Sean, I agree with all that. Um, I'm going to show on the film breakdown on Twitter, hopefully tomorrow night. But basically, that Dom DeLuca play, there's a corner blitz. Dom DeLuca's got zone there. Right. And and they run two vertical routes on the right side of the field. And I think it's Zaki Wheatley, but don't quote me on that because I do not remember. It might be, I don't know who it was. I think it was Zaki Wheatley. Either way, not really his fault. Because there were two seam routes, you kind of had to just pick one. Because I think it was it was uh, Dixon. Dixon. Giant Dixon. Oh yes, you're right. Because the corner, yeah. yes, yes, sir. Yeah, Kalen yeah. came off the other side. Kalen yeah. came off the other side. So then the safety bumped over, and that's right. And and so Johnny Dixon had to choose between either seam route. And so people are like blaming Dom DeLuca, but Dom DeLuca has a zone in front of all of that. That's not that's not his fault. Um, yeah, I think uh, two chop backed out. I don't know if he yes. should have went further or, but you'll you'll go over that like when we could see it. Yeah, there was I like three chop guys playing in the same yeah. Coke bottle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, in the middle of the field. I doubt they'd be asking chop to play what they call that's called like the low hole. Sometimes mm-hmm. when you got the cover two there, you got that cover two that middle post route is what people get scared of. So sometimes you try to put a a guy in the low hole there, low hole in. Uh, but that's a lot to, for for Chop to get all the way back there. But I don't know who else who else was there. Um, yeah. But you're right. There was like three guys right there in the middle, kind of just sitting around. So um, if if Dixon had more help on the inside, maybe he wouldn't have been as worried about that other stuff, or he would have been more, right. more worried about that other stuff. But um, let's go let, let's go defensive line. Positive note: I thought Adisa Isaac played really well. I mean, I thought he played probably I would honestly give him the highest grade if I had to give a grade for a defensive lineman. Had a couple plays in the backfield, just seemed really twitchy. Very, very thrilled to see what Adisa Isaac did. I, I some people were harping on Chop Robinson and run defense. And and Sean, you've watched the, more of the game um than I have as far as rerun goes so far. But I don't really remember i thought there was a couple times chop robinson did get in the backfield but maybe you could elaborate more on that i mean he got sealed a couple times there were a couple times that he got moved a bit uh but overall i I thought he was all right uh he made he was uh more just he was definitely better uh in in pass in the pass rush um but you know he had a tfl uh but yeah where there's some times that i think he got moved to tad yeah and Part of, you know, well, no, nah, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, like uh, DDS, I thought, got in the backfield quite a bit. Um, didn't really get home, uh, but there were times that I think he might have gotten upfield a little bit too far. Uh, so that's something, you know, you could work on. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. I thought Adisa Isaac played well the whole night he's probably the only guy if this makes sense on in the front seven that i felt like continued from where he left off playing utah and everybody else it, i don't want to say they, they they looked hung over or anything but i think they were just getting back into the flow of things so but adisa looked like he really took off from where he left off so that was uh took off left off so that was nice to see and, and then defensive tackle i I got to just go look at the film before I can really comment on it because it's so difficult to like people right now are like Penn State fans are so like if there's a run, 
they immediately blame defensive tackle right now. Like that's just where they're at. Like it doesn't matter. Like they are the 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 scapegoat no matter what. It's defensive tackle. They're not big enough. They're not strong enough. Whatever. And maybe that was the case. I just haven't been able to really go look at the film enough. I thought a couple times. I thought I saw Devon Ellis actually push his guy back. I think actually on the uh, on the on the the touchdown run, the first touchdown run by West Virginia. Uh, Devon Ellis actually blows up his guy into the backfield really well. Like he has his guy blown up and, and then everyone else is blown back. And it's like a, a, a distinct difference between the two. Um, but I didn't necessarily see anything crazy from Beeman or from Durant. And then obviously Izzard didn't play. I, I thought Vandenberg had a couple good moments. I know he had a hustle moment where he had a good tackle where he ran the guy down and hit him pretty hard. Um, but I thought he also had another good play. So I just have to go back and look at the film there. But I, it's so hard in live time to say that it's the defensive tackle's fault because it, it's usually not that simple because 90% of the time if the defensive tackles soak up offensive linemen, they did their job. Like defensive tackles are not supposed to be making plays in a backfield every play. Like that's not, like if they're making 20 tackles, like that's just, you know, strange. Most of the time they're just supposed to get in the way um, and not let their op, you know, the opposing offensive lineman get to the next level, which I do think they probably should have done a better job on based off of how well their offensive line did get to the next level. Um, but I'll have to go really look at the film before I can really complain about it, Sean. Yeah, I understand that. And there were a few times that, yeah, they they there were a couple times they did get rolled. Uh, Xanderant, I don't think that was his best game uh, by far. So he's somebody who stands out to me a little bit in that way. Uh, but I hear you. I thought Vandenberg, I thought Vandenberg was all right. Uh, Devon Ellis actually had the most tackles out of any defensive lineman that we have. So I thought he, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, I would also say. Remember, Kaziah Izzard didn't, didn't play. And Kaziah Izzard is, uh, I think, our best defensive tackle. But, I mean, if not, he's he's right up there. So, I thought they I thought they missed him. And, you know, Beeman was pretty quiet the whole night. I didn't think it was, you know, your usual disruptive Hakeem Beeman game where he's blowing things up in the backfield. He only had a tackle. So um, overall, I think they'll be all right. I think there's a lot of panic right now about the defensive tackles. I am not ready to push the panic button again. Uh, another thing to keep in mind, in Manny Diaz's defense, they're going to get gashed sometimes for runs. And that's just something you have you have to live with. Uh, we saw that uh, a few times last year. I'm not saying it has to be like the Michigan game. <laughs> it, it, that's not how it's supposed to look. But even against, heck, Auburn, there were some times the Tank Bigsby got out into space. Now, you might not remember that, but it did happen. Like, that that's on tape. So there are times, even in games that the, defense, that the defensive line plays really, really well in, they're going to get beat because they stunt. And, you know, they're going to leave stuff, they're going to leave areas vacated sometimes. And especially if the linebackers aren't doing their jobs, they're not filling in where they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's going to that's going to look that's going to be a bad reflection on the defensive line as a whole. So some of it is this is some of it uh, is consequence of the scheme. But then some of it is, yeah, they just beat us a few times. But I'm not going to be 
Dr. Panic about the defensive line, especially considering we went against a good, a legitimately good offensive line. Yeah, I think West Virginia is going to win some games next this year because of that offensive line. Seriously, like they they have the ability to run the ball, I think, pretty well to keep them in a lot of their games. Um, not everybody, especially know, in the Big Twelve. Yes, I, I know this might be putting the car before the horse a little bit, but not everybody has a Drew Aller. And just really what I think is going to be a really good Penn State offense. And so if they can just keep the score, you know, if they can keep the score under the 30s in the Big 12, I think they're going to have a pretty good chance to win it. I I don't think their offense is ever going to be scoring a bunch of points, but I think they'll be able to milk out that clock enough um, where they should be okay as long as their their pass defense doesn't give too much up. So, um, yeah, I, I think their offensive line is good enough to win them some games. Finally, I want to talk secondary. Not a lot to say because uh, West Virginia went into this game and they try to get the ball out as quick as possible. That's why we didn't see a bunch of sacks, although I think Penn State still ended up with three. Um, they rushed the heck out of the quarterback. I thought a lot of people were said they didn't think there was much of a pass rush, but again – it was like snap, get the ball out right away or run. It wasn't what Drew Aller was doing where he was taking a five steps, you know, and he was going through all of his progressions, moving up in the pocket or escaping the pocket to buy more time to then throw. Garrett Green was one progression and then I'm taken off. And that's a lot harder to get to the quarterback at times. Uh, Curtis Jacobs sack was awesome, by the way, because he was on the blitz, but he waited for the defensive ends to kind of squeeze Garrett Green, then he just came right over the top to get him. I thought that was a, a, a good delayed blitz by Curtis Jacobs there. I don't know if that was designed or not. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that was just a veteran crafty move. But he literally – he was supposed to blitz, I believe it was the, the, the B gap, and he just waited. And then it just opened up and he went and made the tackle. But, um, but defensive back-wise, thought they played well. Thought they didn't, you know, there was a, you know, one kind of play. They they kind of got caught on that that throw on the right side that we mentioned earlier. I know they didn't get any turnovers, but otherwise they did their job. And I thought Kalen King and Johnny Dixon and Jalen Reed played really well in run defense. Yeah, I was going to talk about Jalen Reed too. Uh, he, I thought he was, I thought he was their best safety on Saturday. Um, again, guy that played a lot uh has a lot of experience and yeah he, he was able to drop down and uh and, and play well there uh cam miller filled in nicely for daquan hardy that was nice uh for me to see uh me and Corey had a bit of a debate on here last week uh, about uh what would happen if one of the corners went down one of the corners did go down it was daquan hardy and i thought cam miller filled in pretty nicely for him a uh, good sign of a corner is you don't hear his name a lot i didn't hear cam miller's name a lot but he was in there uh, a large majority of the game and uh true while true that um west virginia is not known for their passing game outside of that one play yeah they were pretty they were pretty well uh held in check so um yeah overall i was Pretty happy with the secondary. I thought uh, the one play, and I'm happy it wasn't a penalty because I don't think it was a penalty, but I've seen this called. I thought they were going to get Saki Wheatley on the slide. I thought they were going to say, I thought they were going to throw the flag. 
Garrett Green did slide late, so I think that's how he got away with it. But as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, they're going to get him, aren't they? And thankfully, they didn't throw the flag. Uh, but, yeah, uh, K.J. Winston also was the starter this one. Uh, Keaton Ellis did not start. I thought Keaton Ellis still played well. Uh, and in this, with the safeties, they're going to play a lot of guys. It's not really going to it's not going to be two guys playing the whole time. It might be like that with the corners. There's probably going to be the only three or four guys that play, but all these safeties are going to play a ton. So yeah, I'm, I don't think I have any complaints. Would have liked to see an interception here or there, but other than that, uh, that they, that they were fine. Yeah. I wanted to mention KJ Winston, cause we said probably Sean, this might've been like March. But we thought at some point KJ Winston might start for Penn State. Did not expect it to be week one. So way ahead of schedule there. Um, and then as far as the turnover thing goes, that's probably my biggest. I, I think a lot of Penn State fans would have felt a lot better about how this defense played if they had a turnover or two. I think sometimes you have a turnover in two and you forget a little bit about some of the other things that happened. If you have a turnover, we didn't have a turnover or two. So everyone's kind of like picking at things. Things look a lot better if you have a pick or a fumble, whatever. And, and Penn State didn't have any of that. Again, give credit to West Virginia because some of those things are usually related to the crowd noise, whatever. They seem pretty poised. But also, West Virginia was playing not to lose. Like, let's just be honest. They were going to let Garrett Green run a ton of times, and he could pick up as much as he could. But they were never going to put the ball in Garrett Green's hands and say, go win it as far as in the air. It just wasn't going to happen. And so, if they, even late in the game, Sean, even when it was like 20 something or whatever, they still didn't have any urgency to start throwing the ball left and right. That never really happened. The only time they really threw the ball a little bit more was that one drive when Penn State had all their backups in. And even then, it was just slant routes. They didn't actually take any shots deep. So um, I, I would have – I'm going to optimistically say it, there would have been a lot more turnovers if they were asking Garrett Green to drop back, read a defense – and go through his progressions to then find an open receiver. I think I think you would have seen a lot more turnovers in that case. But credit West Virginia because I think their game plan sort of worked. Um, and they they didn't they didn't let the crowd get into it via the turnover, which is an important thing to do when you're in Beaver Stadium. So give them credit there, I guess. Yeah, I mean I understood what they were trying to do on both sides of the ball. Uh, part of the reason you play to lose and you play not to lose, um, and if you're trying to pull an upset, I guess you really can't do that. You're hoping Penn State makes mistakes. You're hoping Drew Aller has three interceptions or we have three turnovers. They don't have any. And if that happens, yeah, West Virginia is probably right in this game. And, I mean, it was a 14-7 game at halftime. So, yeah, there's a world that exists that this is a one-possession game, definitely. Now, we ended up winning by a lot because, thankfully, we did a great job t- uh, taking care of the ball. Uh, Franklin actually highlighted in the press conference that it's very, very rare to have a game where both teams have zero turnovers in the first week. And I think he's 100% correct. I can't remember the last time that happened at Penn State where both teams don't have a turnover in week one. Um, but yeah, if you're going to if you're going to be if you're going to pull an upset. You have to not turn the ball over and they didn't. Um, 
But yeah, a lot of it was because I mean, every time Garrett Green got the ball, ball was out of his hands quick. So uh yeah, I think there's a lot of unnecessary worry about the defense, but I think they're gonna be fine. And Joe always said the biggest improvement was week one to week two. So I'm optimistic that's gonna be the same for us because there there are definitely things we have to clean up on defense regardless. Especially with the linebackers. Yeah, if you're if you give up fifteen points and you're this hard on your on your defense. I think you've got some some good things going. What's up, little kitty cat? You're muted, Sean. If you're trying to say something. Hi, Mitch. Yeah, my cat Mitch has made an appearance on the show. So people on uh, podcast. He's, he's, there, no there idea. he is. He's. <laughs> <laughs> um. I guess it's time to go to it, Sean. I've been kind of regretting this conversation, but it's probably the biggest thing I think Penn State fans are going to want to see an improvement on going into week two, and that's the special teams. I just no other way to really say it. Um, let's just go right to kicker because that's that's really where it needs to be. I guess I'll mention real quick, Nick Singleton did kick returns. Caden Saunders did punt returns. Nothing really crazy there that we need to discuss. Um, Riley Thompson punted twice two punts for 75 yards along with 46 i think the second one wasn't as good if i remember correctly but overall nothing crazy there what really needs to be discussed is the place kicking xander zahadak the incumbent if you will because he was here last year uh got the start he did make two extra points but then he missed two what were they like 35 ish to 40 yard field goals both of them i think they, I think they were a little further in. Okay. Yeah. So. And uh, so he missed Oof. two the ex- the same exact way, like wide right, not outrageously wide right, but but wide right. And then Alex Falcons comes in. He does nail all his extra points, and he does make his twenty five yard field goal. Um. And and James Franklin in the press conference after the game said that back and forth they went in camp, and it was. It wasn't just one guy the whole way. It wasn't Xander Zahadak the whole way, but Falcons had it, and then Zahadak had it, and then it went back and forth as far as um, the data that was kind of pushing this decision. And so Zahadak had won the job, but it wasn't necessarily a, a win like it's yours forever, clearly. And so they, uh, they they decided to switch it up. Don't feel great about it, Sean, right? I mean, how, how could you? Uh you, you, we were worried going into the season that maybe the special teams cost you a game at some point. I think now people are a hundred percent worried that place kicking is going to cost you a game at some point. I mean, there's no other way around that that feeling right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you miss two field goals, that equals a touchdown. And how many of these games over the years have been decided by that or less? I mean, there are dozens and dozens of examples so especially against the teams that we need to beat to get to where we want to be so that's if you're going to be panicked about one thing from this game if you're not going to be able to get to sleep at night for one reason it should be about the place kicking because the Haydak, i mean the the one was at the one was at an angle 
uh, and he did, and he missed it right. Like Corey said, neither of them were outrageously right, but I mean, it, if they don't go through, they're no good. So, uh, and then the, and then the second one, I mean, he is straight on, perfect weather, home crowd, and just pushes it. And I was kind of at a loss for words, and I. Ugh, it, was, it was it was just very aggravating, and again, I owe Jake Penninger an apology because I was demanding Sanders to hate act play last season. I have no idea what I'm talking about, and I should have taken my own advice in that the coaches at practice know who's better, so you should trust them on that. And yeah, I mean, clearly Penninger was the better guy last year. Um, and it were, and I mean, Falcons did go in and he was perfect, but it concerns me that Falcons could have beat Zahedak out in camp and it might've been close. And maybe Falcons is the guy from here on out. Maybe Zahedak gets his job back. I don't think that's going to be settled for at least a few weeks, but no matter who it is, they have, they have got to be better. Um, yeah. You know, it reminds you like. Maybe Xander Zahedak can come in and only kick field goals on a left hash. Kind of like, do you, was it Jake Pinniger who was really good yeah. from just one hash? Yeah, it was Jake. <laughs> so maybe Xander Zahedak only does left hash field goals, so he can just push it right every time, and then you're just good. Yeah, we could. Yeah, that's that's how we could do it. We could have two kickers. Uh, left a, hash, a dual, left a dual hash kicker. Middle and right hash. <laughs> but he can't hit from the center either. He has to be on that certain <laughs> Right, only on that side. Um, Gabe Nowusu got the kickoff specialist duty, and the one was a squibbish one that thankfully bounced the right way into the end zone, and it could have been out of bounds, but it it wasn't. And honestly, otherwise, I thought he actually did pretty well as far as kicking off. There, I mean, West Virginia didn't seem like they really wanted to return one anyway, but um, overall, I was I was pretty happy there. Now, maybe if that one goes out of bounds, people are complaining a lot more. Uh, but we got the right bounce. I went out and, and I, I got no complaints with Mr. Nowusu. And we thought maybe he was going to get the uh, get the nod. And, and he sure did. Yeah, I thought Gabe did a good job. Um, every kick, there was no chance for a return. I mean, this I think it was the second kick. It was ugly looking coming out. But I mean, it landed in the end zone. So we're fine with it. Um so, yeah, no complaints there. I think Franklin prefers a kick right in the end zone. Um, I know Ohio State sometimes likes to do the directional kicks where you aim for the corner because they're not going to be able to get out that far. I I would personally rather James Franklin's approach, and that's just kick the ball as hard as he could and have them start at the 25-yard line. So then you're just not risking anything. Um, so, yeah, he did a good job. A uh, punt, you know, the punting, I think you touched on Thompson a little bit. Uh, the first one I didn't think was very good. Um, I think we were punting from what, the, around the 40. They started at their, at our third, or at their 30. So when you're punting from the 40, you want to at least get the ball inside the 20. I mean, you would love it inside the 10 but you want to at least have them start from the 20 and to start at the 30. I mean, that's just a bad start to a drive uh, to give them good field position. They end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. So it wasn't a shank by any stretch, but I wish it was better. And then the second one was 
it was fine distance wise, but it wasn't in the air very long. Thankfully, I, I forget who made the play on it, but there was a good play made on it. So they didn't go anywhere. So uh, I think punting is, is still a little bit of a concern, but not nearly as much as place kicking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, we're not out of the woods there either. We're just not sure yet. Uh, I did want to give a shout out to Jacob Sparrow on YouTube. He's was listening to us as soon as I think his plane landed in Atlanta. Got us on. They're still on the tarmac, you know, which is pretty sweet. So appreciate you turning in, uh, tuning in, Jacob, and Thank appreciate you. everybody tuning in on YouTube. Thank you, guys. Um, Sean, anything else before we go to fan questions? I have one other note I wanted to mention, um, but what else do you have? Uh, like Caden, Sa- uh, Caden Saunders uh, didn't think he should have called a fair catch at the five. Uh, I think he let that go. Uh, oh, but- yes. But he made a very nice fair catch on the one that he had to go through traffic. Kind of gave yeah, me a nice. heart attack, but he executed it perfectly. I think a lot of first first time punt returners well, would have just go. let that go. Uh, but it shows that he has the confidence to go in and make the right play. So, and James Franklin highlighted that in his press conference that he was very happy with that. So that's a good point. That's a good yeah. That one at the five because I was on my side of the field. I was like. Why are you catching yeah, that? I, just I, just like, don't, oh, I don't think he knew exactly where he was, but yeah, that, that can be fixed. Yeah, um, sure. The only other thing, like not even special teams wise, I wanted to mention probably shouldn't be a big deal because Drew Aller is so tall, but there were a couple high, a couple high snaps by Hunter Norzad. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Um, and again, maybe it's not going to lead to a turnover or anything, but as far as timing for the mesh point, if it's a play action pass, if it's a read option, if that high snap, you know, that could that could mess up the timing of the entire play. So just something to pay attention to. Also, if it does rain, then maybe that becomes something you really need to pay attention to. But I, I think it's at least mentioning yeah. um, as well. And I got one more. Um, we had two timeouts. I think we might have talked about it a little bit. We had two timeouts uh, not getting the plays in time. Franklin was very, very angry on the sidelines. I actually looked right down to Franklin both times, and he was freaking out, <laughs> just yelling into his headset. So that's the kind of first-time thing. New arrangement. Yersich is up in the box. They got O'Brien on the field and a new quarterback. Kind of thing you could work on, but you don't like seeing it, especially twice in a game. So they're going to have to get that cleaned up. So I think the big takeaway is outside of the place kicking, there's a lot that could be cleaned up in just a few weeks. So should be pretty excited about us going forward yeah that, that's a good way to summarize it sean um the fan questions this week are a little bit different because everyone asks us pretty much the same thing so i'm going to group some people together here uh kathy asks us do you see tight end usage increase sooner than later and uh surya asks us why do you think the tight ends barely saw any action uh, Lucas Powers, longtime listener, was the lack of tight end use worrying trend or just part of this week's game plan? And so, yeah, I was, uh, three people asked about tight ends, so I thought that I just grouped them together. I feel like we've talked about tight ends a decent amount on this show. Uh, I think Sean and I are in agreement here. We don't think that's a trend that you need to be concerned about. Um, again, we didn't see the tight ends really be utilized a lot more except for Brenton Strange, until later on in the season. But also, Penn State felt comfortable letting them block and letting the receivers win one-on-one on the outside. That changes a little bit if you think you have a matchup that you really like 
at a tight end spot versus safety or a linebacker. And maybe you don't like those matchups on the corners as much. So maybe you utilize things a little bit differently there. So no, I don't think we have to be worried there. Sean, any final thoughts on tight ends? Yeah. Like, like I said, um, a lot of that was West Virginia being aggressive with their cover zero and we needed to hold, we needed to hold some guys in to block. Uh, Drew, I thought did a good job of making adjustments at the line. Uh, it felt like he used all the play clock often, just getting guys set up right. And some of that could have been, and some of some of that could have just been getting coverages right, maybe keeping a tight end in. Um, I think to be successful, this offense has to use the tight ends, especially against teams with the better secondaries. Uh, you're not going to have as much separation with your receivers, in my in my view against some of these more elite secondaries. Uh, so, yeah, the tight ends, they have to get more involved, and I think they will. I think it's just going to depend uh, game to game. This particular game, we didn't really need them as much in the passing game. We needed them more in the block. So I do think they'll, they'll get more involved as the game as the year goes. Yeah, and a follow-up question from DKW, another longtime listener. He he recognized the amount of tight end questions. So that so then he comes back with, do you think that was just to protect your Aller, or do you think they wanted him to get more comfortable with his receivers? I I think it's to protect Drew Aller, to be honest with you, because they have a lot of opportunities to get their their receivers and quarterbacks on the same page, and I think their chemistry is already there based off of the routes that they were running. You don't run, say, that out route, those comeback routes unless you feel comfortable that Drew Aller and, and Trey Wallace are on the same page. Um, a couple of routes with Keandre Lambert-Smith, you don't run necessarily if you're not sure that the chemistry is there. So I think the chemistry is there. Uh, I think it was more to do with with helping out with the the pass rush because they knew they thought they could win on the outside. Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Uh, I think it was mostly to protect Drew Aller. Like, if you're going to work on things with drew and getting guys and getting used to each other you're going to do most of that practice now there are definitely benefits to doing that in game you're playing with live bullets then uh, it's the first time that these guys have been hit in a long time uh, outside of the blue white game they don't really hit in practice very much there's a lot of thumping and that's not just penn state that's pretty much everywhere in the country because you don't want to get hurt uh in practice meaningless uh, in a meaningless way so I do think that it it mostly has to do with just keeping Drew upright uh, when you're playing against uh, an, an attacking defense like like West Virginia was trying to be on Saturday. Yeah, we got two questions here. One from Natural Grass saying, "Why is the defensive line so bad? Especially a defensive tackle undersized, lacks depth and talent, and got run all over." Someone else said, "What are your thoughts on the run defense?" And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then some, and then Kathy actually followed up with her question with a question about turnover. So I think we kind of put all those together. We've already talked to nauseam about the defensive tackle, so I'm not going to go down that road. I think I might be able to provide more insight on the Wednesday show. I just, I just don't necessarily agree with that comment that they were run all over and that they played horrible. Again, I mean, how? I don't really know how you can say that, but I, I understand the point because P 
people are scarred about what happened at the Michigan game. Uh, again, I want to give credit to West Virginia's offensive line, and I'm going to keep pointing to Amin Vanover and Kaziah Izzard not being out there. I think, you know, people – when I was talking about not wanting your defensive tackles to, like, necessarily make plays in the backfield, Kaziah Izzard is the one guy to me that has the quick enough hands to make plays in the backfield. Like, I, I think Kaziah Izzard – could be like that all around great defensive tackle. He just hasn't had a chance to really to stay healthy. And if he does that, I think he could be there and he wouldn't even have to play on Saturday. And we thought he was going to. So maybe you can come back and yell at me once we see Kaziah Izzard play and then the defensive line be bad. And maybe I'm putting way too much stock into him, but you know, we love a mean van over too. And I think he would help out, especially on the outside and, and run defense. And I, I think having Izzard would have helped out a lot on the inside. So maybe come back and yell at me in a couple of weeks if if all those guys are back and, and Penn State still struggles to say stop Illinois or Illinois or Iowa. I'll, I'll yell at you. For, uh, but yeah, uh, so. I'm going to address the worry and I'm going to address what happened. So the worry is. If West Virginia, who I don't think a lot of Penn State fans have a healthy amount of respect for, if they could do that to you, what's Michigan, what's Ohio State, uh, what are they going to do to you? Even Iowa and Illinois, what are they going to do? Okay. I think they have to play better against them uh, because I think that's a valid point. Uh, There's not a Donovan Edwards in that backfield. Even though we like Donaldson, he's not Donovan Edwards. He's not Blake Corm. Uh, Mayan, uh, Williams, Travion Henderson. Okay, point taken, for sure. But I will say that was a good offensive line we played against. That's probably the best center we're going to face all year, uh, including Michigan and Ohio State, Michigan State, um, Maryland, Iowa, whoever. So, and then I'm going to address what actually happened. So that's the concern. Here's what happened. West Virginia had 146 yards rushing. Okay. Probably more than we would have wanted to give up. But guys, we didn't get gashed for 350 yards. Remember a few years, a couple of years ago when we played Illinois, we did give up that many. Like that was playing terrible. Like that was awful. 100% there with you. If we played like that, then I'd be right there with you being like, oh my God, this is terrible. Uh, but I, I'm I, I'm sorry, I'm not there. Um, I I think they could play better, and I do under. But you have to remember again, like I said earlier in the episode, the other team has good players too, and they're going to make some plays, especially when they're going when they know they're going to have to be a little one dimensional. They're going to try to focus on the things they do well at, and that's run the ball, that's lean on their offensive line. That's uh, trust uh, C.J. Donaldson and Gary Green to go pick up yards on the ground. And that's what they did. And at the end of the day, they did only score seven points. So we were successful at seven points on the first team. So we were so we were successful at keeping them out of the end zone. Um, But that's that's the worry. And that's what happened. I understand the worry. I think there are some concerns but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be totally panicked uh, right now. 
especially considering uh, Kasai Izzard's and uh, I mean Vanover. I mean Vanover's absence. Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I was putting a lot of stock in those guys, but I really do believe that they they make a big difference. I, we talk about Mean Vanover's motor, and he has the length too. People are talking about those sweep plays and his buck sweeps, the tosses. He has that length with his arms to be able to keep out that offensive lineman from sealing him a little bit more. He can kind of he can kind of play that edge a little bit better. Um, maybe then say an Adisa Isaac could, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see if it, it gets better once that's a once that's happened. But uh, we do know that week one's in the books. Penn State gets to win thirty eight fifteen. Turn their attention to the Blue Hens of Delaware. That's kind of where we'll turn our attention. We'll have a final thoughts because the press conference will happen tomorrow. Um, we'll have kind of a final thoughts on on everything early in the episode next week, this week. On Wednesday, and then it'll be completely Delaware. Glad to be back to Monday and Wednesday. Uh, I have not had a chance to do the pick'em scores yet. I'll try to get that done probably early tomorrow, and I'll try to get the pick'em out earlier this week, probably tomorrow as well, so you can start getting your picks in for next weekend. Um, but we had a really big turnout, so thank you guys all for for getting those pick'ems done. Uh, fantastic job there. So. Uh, I think I'm perfect. I, I want to say I'm perfect too. I think because we, you and I both had Fresno State. Yep. And Didn't I it? had uh, Nebraska covering, but Minnesota winning. Yeah. And I had Penn State covering. Yep. Yep. So I think we're both perfect. Yeah. So get get your thing in, see if you can beat Sean and I. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's all I got, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be back Wednesday. Uh, should be a good show. And yeah, just try to just um, try to catch me and Corey. Yeah, uh, I do know if you hadn't already, I actually haven't watched it yet either. But the first episode of Lion's Den on state media on our YouTube channel came out. I want to say it was on Friday. Uh, and I had Anissa Hawkins, Jerry Cross. And. Do you know who the other person was? Not off the top of my head. Oh. And I also know. And, ha- look- and Hacks Pod comes out tomorrow. Yes, I was going to say that too. Pocket. Well, I don't know if it's coming out tomorrow. Oh, I thought I saw it's coming out. Tomorrow. They're gonna they're gonna record it. I thought tomorrow. Oh, that might be it. Okay. Yeah. So you have that. You have that coming out sometime this week. I don't know if they're gonna put out. Yeah, they're a- filming it tomorrow. You're right. I don't know if they're going to put out another podcast for the Lions Den this week or not. I don't know what the plan is there, but I would expect it sooner rather than Nick later. Nick Dawkins. And Nick Dawkins is on that. So Nick yep. Dawkins, Jerry Cross, and Anissa Hawkins um, on the Lions Den. And then the, the the pocket with Christian Hackenberg and Brandon Bell will be at some point this week. Maybe, maybe not tomorrow. May, might be out Wednesday. But we'll be back Wednesday as well at 7 o'clock. And we'll be talking some Delaware. Sounds good. I like to talk about beaches. Yeah. Oh, right. The game. Yeah. Hey, make sure you're subscribed to this channel on YouTube. Make sure you've liked the video if you're on YouTube. If you're listening on podcasts, please make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to your podcast. That's the least you can do. Keep this thing free. 
That's all I got. Yeah, hit that subscribe button, give us a listen, and we'll be back. All right. For Sean Kane, I'm Corliss Doki. You've been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. See you Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Bye, everybody. Night, everyone. Happy Victory Monday. <laughs>